Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 10. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel and not the eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of God for the children of God. God. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that in your word for us this day, we would continue to learn and to grow in your kingdom, seeing the role that we play, seeing this community embodied in that nature, and living evermore as we are sanctified by your grace. Amen. You know, as a pastor who's on the the younger side, um, I often wonder what the church is going to look like in my future, which kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety because, friends, my retirement is attached to the church. (laughs) In looking and seeing in this nature, we begin to reflect and wonder what church are we leaving for those who come after us? You know, I have at least 30 years until I'm allowed to retire, and that's if, I, if, that's if they don't change the retirement rules in the country, and that's if I, they ever actually allow me to retire, because right now they just retire you, and then they're like, oh, here's another church for you to serve. But I think, what will the church look like? 
Who will be a part of it? Who will the leaders of the church be? What will the practices and rituals be? And this often brings into my mind the idea that sometimes we get into that temptation of focusing too much on the here and now and forget to think about what it looks like for us to create something that will live long after us. Right, we do so in, in, in a good way, not in a bad way. We often look for the church to provide for our current needs, our current desires. But in that, we often fail to consider the implications that those sorts of thoughts and ideas have on the implications that it may have on the future of the church. Right, we see we live in a time where our lives are built around meeting our immediate needs. We often don't put in the forethought of looking towards the future and thinking about what will this one act here and now do in the future. The church could oftentimes in this way be charged with negligence as it wrestles with who it is called to be here and now as well as balancing the eternal hope that God offers, not for our own personal salvation, but for the salvation of the kingdom of God, the salvation of all creation. We get lost in the desires of the community that is in our midst. We get lost of those seated right here in this sanctuary. Sometimes those who have been here the longest, sometimes those who give the most money, that we often forget the one who truly guides the nature of how we live and exist together. And we forget that the church, at least as an institution, let alone a spiritual embodiment, is that of the kingdom. It transcends our own personal ideologies and our own personal understandings. Because the nature of the kingdom is that we are in community together. And not just together for the people who are here right now, but together with all the saints of the church who have come before us and for all the saints of the church who will come after us. Right? So many perspectives and ideas brought into the fray of what we are called to do together. And as we looked at the scripture last week, as we looked at Paul's introduction here to this church in Corinth, we looked and we saw that there is no one person in community who is above another. We, are not, we do not neglect those whom we think are less important or even don't align with how we think or I think the church should be. We often fail to react and we fall back on, on the way we've always done it. Or even, some side, or even sometimes those sacred ideas that often miss out on the true nature of the church. And then even going so far as using Christ to sow distrust and division within our communities. Right? In the same way when last week I asked that dangerous question of what do we expect from the church... It's my job to ask these dangerous questions. I ask now again, why do we use Christ to divide? 
Because whether you personally have done this or not, we as a church have done this. We as, as a body of believers have done this. We as a faith have done this. We have used our divisions and our distrust to divide who we are called to be. We've used Christ to try and make ourselves seem more important. We've tried to use the teachers or prophets that we think most important to call to our attention, to call to the attention of everybody why we are right and why they are wrong. And we've created a community that instead of building itself on the bedrock of what our faith is called to be, unfortunately, we've merely become part of the problem in our society. And this, I truly believe, is where we look and we see the writings of Paul here to this church in Corinth. And we begin to unpack what it is truly called, what it truly means to be a body united in faith. And so we hear Paul write, right there at the beginning, right there in verse 10. Now, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, right? Paul has moved beyond. He, if, if last week's was sort of this introduction to who was writing this letter, right? We heard, I am Paul. I am of, uh, I am, I, I'm a prophet of the church. I, the, the, the name and terminology, I apologize. Um, but Paul introduces himself. He offers grace to the church in Corinth, grace to you in the name of God, our Father, and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives almost this passive-aggressive attack at the Corinthian church trying to become and and, and bring the church into this understanding of unity. But see, Paul knows that at some point in time, he has to name the elephant in the room. Right? And so he says, now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you and that you be knit together in the same mind and in the same purpose. And honestly, many of us probably look at that passage and we chuckle to ourselves because we think, how could that ever happen? Right? There are so many things to disagree about. I remember hearing a story of a church once that had a, 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 a very contentious vote on the color of their hymnals. In fact, in the church that I grew up in, I don't know if they're listening right now, so... <laughs> Uh, who cares? Um, in the church I grew up in, we had a very contentious vote on the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. Right? I mean, I mean, and, and that's not to like point fun at the church that I grew up in because I was a part of that vote as a youth. But it's to say, like, sometimes agreeing on stuff can be very difficult. And yet, Paul is saying here that we should be in agreement. That there should be no divisions among us. That we should be a united body with the same mind and the same purpose. And we think to ourselves, how is that truly possible? But you see, if we truly are to truly think in that kingdom spirit, then maybe it calls us to think about these ideas of agreement or sameness in a different light. Right, when we move away from verse 10 and we begin to look at the rest of, of Paul's urgings and Paul's teachings here in the Corinthian church, we hear Paul talk about agreement, about no divisions, about having of the same mind and having the same purpose. Our mind immediately goes to uniformity. 
And yet, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is talking about unity. And again, y'all are like, well, pastor, aren't those the same thing, right? You know, pastor apparently really likes to get semantics when it comes to talking about language. But I think that, again, language is important. The way we talk about words, the way we use them in our church really means something. Because when we talk about the difference between unity and uniformity, uniformity tells us we all have to be exactly the same. We have to think the same. We have to act the same. We have to have the same gifts. We have to have the same talents. We have to do everything the same. And yet that is not what the church is called to be. The church is called to be a unified body of Christ. The church is called to be one. And Paul knows this. Paul knows that in agreement, in no divisions, in same mind and same purpose, Paul knows that there are going to be different gifts, that there are going to be different ideas, that there's going to be different thoughts. And yet, what brings everybody together? What is the great unifier? What is the great thing that we agree upon? But Jesus Christ. Right, Paul knows that this is not truly possible, and yet it is encouraged in a communal sense of unity. There may be contested votes. And friends, know that that keeps me awake at night sometimes. But at the end of the day, there is an understanding of the unity that brings us together. There is an understanding of the differing perspectives, and yet honoring the commitment and the community in Christ who brings us together. This is the same commitment found in our baptism, baptismal covenant. It's the same understanding that's found at the table of communion when we come forward. And yet, how often do our divisions prevent us from living into this understanding of the kingdom? Right? If Christ is the ultimate source of grace and feeds our understanding of it, then why do we seem to often lack the understanding necessary to build community around it? Right? It's in how we are united that is a cause for celebration. It's how we come together, not what separates us. This is not to say that we're going to think differently, that we're going to look at things from different angles, that we're going to vote for different people for public office, that we're going to look at what this church is called to do differently. But you want to know at the end of the day what the ultimate thing that matters is, is that Christ brings us together to love and to serve our neighbors in Christian love. And to me, it's really that last call of Paul that calls this out on who we are called to be. Christ calls us to have the same purpose. The same calling, the same mission, the same understanding of what sends us forth, the same thing that undergirds everything that we are called to do. And so Paul continues on in this understanding, this understanding of unity. And he calls, you know what? Some of you are using both myself, other teachers and preachers, and even Christ as a manner of separation, right? He says, sorry, I lost my page there. He says, what I mean is to say, each of you says, I belong to Christ, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Cephas, and I belong to Christ. And so the question becomes for us, who are we using to tear ourselves apart? Who are we using to try and get our way instead of the way that we're called to go? Do we look towards specific avenues, laying claim to certain monikers, to certain prophets, to certain teachers, Right? Are we better than others because we follow John Wesley? 
Are they better than us because they follow Martin Luther or John Calvin? Or are they better than us because they're Catholic or they're Baptist? Are we better than them because we think we hold the true gospel of Christ? We do it correctly here at Beach Grove. No. We are merely just part of the body. We are called to come together to work with others. Right? When I see another church, I often think in my mind, oh, how can we do things with them? How can we partner together as part of this great body? Recognizing that there are differences in the way we do things together. I mean, even Paul noting the way in which we use Christ to call out people. You're not doing things the biblical way or the, the Christ way. It often makes me think that didn't Jesus have something to say about piousness? Right? Members of the community even using the name of Christ to divide, to sow division and distrust. Taking out of context the very words of our Lord and Savior to try and get their way. Laying siege to our communities and tainting the embodiment of the kingdom of God that stands before us. Again, unity is not uniformity. We can think differently. We can view things from different angles, understand things differently. That doesn't make us inherently evil. That doesn't make us heretics. makes us part of the body of Christ. Paul even invoking baptism in the final verses. Right, recognizing that even, you know, I imagine Paul wrestling with this when he's writing this and saying, you know, I may have laid hands on you. I may have baptized you. You may have been baptized in my name, but that does not mean anything other than being baptized into the family of Christ. To name where we are today, right? And to name probably the elephant in the room that many of us think of, right, is that the United Methodist Church is in the midst of a a pretty nasty divorce. And that's that's probably putting it mildly in some cases. If, If you've seen or heard some of the reports that I've heard, people call out one another for lack of understanding, for spreading heretical theology and ideas. And I think to myself how much we have lost this kingdom nature in ourselves. How much we have lost this kingdom nature in our community together. And the lack of empathy that has taken place in all of these times and all of these events. Right, Every division in the kingdom needs to be mourned. Because it is a breaking and a fracturing of who we are called to be. And I know I stand here as a United Methodist pastor, as one of the troublemakers of the church. Not just the current church, but 
United Methodists are the troublemakers in a historical sense, too. Breaking off and splitting themselves from the Church of England, who broke off themselves from the Catholic Church. Who have experienced pain, heartache, and division through their history. However, to begin to hear the words of Paul and to begin to live more fully into this understanding, we rest in what unites us, not what divides us. There may be a different name on that sign out there. From the church down the street, church down the road, church up on bridge, churches all over the place. And yet what brings us together? This idea that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is at the heart of what truly matters. That is at the heart of who we are truly called to be. And in that rests the entirety of our faith. And in that the kingdom is formed. Yes, there will be differences of opinion. At some point in time in the future, we will need new carpet. At some point in time in the future, we determine how we spend our money, who our leaders are, how we practice community together, who we serve. And know as someone who sits in all the council meetings, as someone who is a part of every committee of this church, as your pastor, they're not always easy decisions. Sometimes they are decisions that require lots of thought, lots of prayer. As I said, sometimes they come with great anxiety. And yet I look at this community and the glimpse of hope that rests in it when we are going and having those difficult conversations is our coming together. Is the expression of community that we have here in worship that we have when we gather together to, to serve meals for Salvation Army, to gather together to pack meals for Rise Against Hunger, to come together to help clean the church, to come together to learn about God, all of these things that bring us together in community. These are the expressions of the kingdom that we focus on when we gather together for those decisions. One body, united in Christ. And my fear. My fear as a pastor, as one who has been set apart to lead and to serve in the local church, as one who works alongside the dedicated servants of the church, is that we would lose that understanding. That the distrust, the division, the anger, the hatred would overcome us. I don't just say that because my paycheck is instilled in the church, that my pension is instilled in the church. I say that as someone who truly and deeply loves the church. It's kind of why I became a pastor. That there will continue to be a church for each and every one of us to experience the community of Christ together. Sometimes it means setting aside what, what we think should happen. Sometimes that means setting aside what I think should happen. So that we can come together as the body of Christ and we can Make this, make this church, make this community the great embodiment of the kingdom that God calls it to be. And so we wrestle with how we move together. With what are those aspects that unite us, that bring us together. We don't ignore the differences. We try and understand where we're coming from. 
so that at the end of the day there is agreement. There's no division. We, we're of the same mind. We have the same purpose as we journey together together. The agreement may not always be in you being right, but it helps us to move together, move forward together. Putting aside our egos, our desires, and allowing Christ to fill us and guide us. Amen.